Today's episode of the City of Smack podcast on the City of Smack podcast network is brought to you by Whoop. Whoop is a fitness wearable that provides 24-7 personalized insights around your sleep, recovery, and daily activity. So whether you're looking to break five minutes for the mile or just looking to run your first 5K, Whoop has helped runners of all backgrounds train smarter and recover faster so that they can get to the starting line healthy and hit those new PRs. I've been wearing my Whoop since December 2019, which is so long now that I've got tan lines on both of my wrists to show my love for it. On one side, I've got my GPS watch, and then on the other, I've got my Whoop, which weighs absolutely nothing, and it's not about splits or mileage, but rather the other 23 hours of the day when your body's getting ready for that next run. It's completely different from your standard GPS watch because every day it gives you a personalized recovery score based on things like your resting heart rate, sleep, and respiratory rate. So you actually know if you're going to crush those track repeats and if the legs are feeling good. The app has built-in features like a string coach so you can see how hard you're pushing your body every day and you can set goals based on your body's recovery. Overtraining and injuries are huge problems for every runner, but Whoop can help you reduce those risks by listening to the underlying factors that affect your performance. The Sleep Coach, which is my personal favorite, provides you with personalized sleep recommendations based on the previous night's sleep and how active you were over the course of the day. And you should know that a runner's best way to combat injury is by getting quality sleep. For me personally, it's done wonders because it tells me, hey, get to bed by this time and wake up by this time and maybe you'll be fully recovered for your workout. And as it gathers more data, it helps really tailor all of that information to your body's needs so that you can perform better. So listen up because Whoop is offering 15% off with the code Sidious at checkout. All you got to do is go to Whoop, that's W-H-O-O-P.com, and enter Sidious at checkout to save 15% off, sleep better, recover faster, and run faster. Get to the starting line healthy with Whoop. Shout out to all the supporters on Patreon who keep this show going strong and all of the other projects over at Sidious Mag. Throw us a couple bucks, whether it's a dollar, five bucks, or ten bucks. Thank you to everyone who has done so. Your help allows us to pull off events like the Trials of Miles Kansas City Qualifier, which was viewed by more than 30,000 people on YouTube last time I checked. So thanks to Joel Wagner for joining the efforts over at Patreon. You can be just like Joel and sign up over at patreon.com slash Mag. You can also show your support for us by picking up a crew neck, sweater, t-shirt, tank top, or more over at SidiousMag.com and hitting the merch tab. Just in time for the summer, rep Sidious Mag. My guest for today's episode is Eric Holt. He is a member of Empire Elite, which is a new pro group in New York, coached by John Trapman and Tommy Nohilly, who used to be a part of Frank Agliano's coaching staff with the New Jersey New York Track Club. In this episode, you get to know Eric a little bit better after he recently won the Trials of Miles Kansas City Qualifier Men's 1500. He's one of those guys who's on the cusp of breaking 340 and is trying to get into the U.S. Olympic Trials. Eric went to Binghamton, where he was a six-time America East track and field champion. So after graduating, Eric took a break from the sport, and now he's fully back in it. He's run 340.77 for the 1500 and 358 for the mile. So this one goes out to all of those people who know that there's more to give after college and are still uh, willing to give it their best shot because that's just exactly what Eric is doing. So without further ado, here is Eric Holt. All right, now we welcome on Eric Holt to the podcast. Eric, you are a hit with the City of Smag audience after your wins at the Texas Qualifier and then again at the Kansas City Qualifier, delivering one of the best interviews in both races. Uh, so welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you on as a guest. No, I, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm very honored to, to be on this podcast. This is my first podcast I've ever been part of, and I'm just like, I feel very privileged right now. So, and I was like, especially, you know, looking through uh, the people you've interviewed and I was like, wow, you know, these are all big names. So for me to be part of that is like, uh, I'm very honored. You've been making a name for yourself th this year, you know, just kind of chipping away, you know, a little bit at a time at these personal bests. But let's take people, I guess, chronologically and help tell a little bit more of your story. Take me back to Mount 
Carmel High School. Where does the athletic career really begin for you? It was it was it football? Because I know like you you talk uh, on the bus a bit about your build being you know one seventy now and and six one. So it's like, is, did you play football back in high school? Oh uh, no, I did not. I was planning on doing it my freshman year. Uh, so my dad was a big football, you know, basketball, baseball player. All my cousins, you know, who, you know, kind of look like me, all played football. You know, uh, you know, we were always like the, the type of family where at family gatherings, my grandma would scream at us because we were like downstairs, like wrestling, you know, you know, goofing off. I was always like the type of kid that, you know, I, I always imagined myself playing football and all those sports, but it was kind of honestly you know, you know, a change of faith. I always mention like the butterfly effect because just one single thing, you know, led me down the running path. It wasn't as if, you know, I grew up wanting to be a runner. And honestly, it was a surprise too, because like, you know, I've always had like a, a bigger build. I never, you know, I was that stigma, you know, the you know, people always have the stigma about runners being, you know, uh, small and frail and skinny. So I, I never really thought of myself as a runner. I always thought I was going to do, you know, some sort of contact sport or, you know, some sort of like sport, you know, that involves like a lot of strength and muscle, which not to say running does, but yeah. What was that? What was the moment, I guess, for you that really led to that takeoff when you, when you think about it in the butterfly effect kind of type of way? Well, you know, it's interesting. So when I was in eighth grade, um, my dad was huge into basketball. That was like one of his sports. You know, my dad was always a multi-sport athlete. You know, he boxed, he played football, he, uh, you know, baseball, everything. And I always, little league uh, baseball, I was always pretty good at it. You know, I played soccer as a kid, basketball. But in eighth grade, you know, we had the modified middle school basketball team. And, you know, my dad always imagined me being like a good, you know, basketball player you know so uh, in eighth grade uh, I did the tryouts and my dad was like really hard on me for a couple weeks I had to do like 10 layups with my right hand left hand you know everything he's like all right you gotta make five uh free throw shoots in a row you know I was like really like going at it it was like the first time in my life like where I saw a goal of to make the eighth grade you know Carmel middle school basketball team and I remember like showing up to tryouts, being nervous. And I remember doing very well. And uh, eventually, like a few days later, they had like the whole list on the wall. And I was like, I looked through it like 10 times. I didn't see my name. And I remember just being so devastated. And, you know, it was like my first time in my life, I really felt like a huge disappointment. And I was like, very pissed at myself. And my dad was like, come on, like, you were way better than everyone, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, you know, I basically, you know, that eighth grade did nothing but like play video games in the basement, you know, just not doing anything. And my sisters, you know, were on the track team and my parents were like, all right, you know, you can't just, you know, stay home playing video games all the time. You got to do something, you know, track. They don't have tryouts. Just show up to track and, you know, at least do something for this, uh, you know, spring. So that's, that's how I started running for the first time, you know, it was just because I didn't make basketball and my parents wanted me to do something. Uh, I eventually, you know, did track and, uh, did you like that's, it? That's outside. Um, honestly, you know, it was, it was scary at first because, you know, a lot of the kids in the team were kind of like, I felt like I didn't really fit in and they would like say things about my sisters and stuff. So it was like that type of thing where I was like, ah, I don't really like this, but you know, a few of the kids were like really nice to me. One of my biggest role models back in, uh, back in the day was this kid named Luke Marr, who was a senior when I was in eighth grade. And I remember he told me when he was in eighth grade, he broke five minutes. And I was like, what's that? Like, what, what is five minutes? And he's like, Oh, it's very impressive. And Carmel, only uh, two guys ever broke five minutes in eighth grade, myself and a guy named Mike Starr, way back in like the, you know, I think at that time it was like the 70s, you know, he graduated in the 80s. But, uh, you know, it was like the first goal. And, uh, you know, after that, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll go for this uh, sub five minute mile, like half. And it's kind of funny when I think about it, because I remember I was committed on that and I never would have thought for the next, you know, now 12 years 
I'm still on that path, you know, it never like uh, went away. But long story short, um, you know, I eventually, you know, I started at like six minutes in the mile and slowly and surely I worked down and, you know, uh, I eventually did get the sub five near the end of eighth grade, you know. <laughs> what do you but, remember uh, about that race? Because I'm someone who's still going after <laughs> sub five. I've got my race on May 21st at the New oh, York really? City. And, you know, my PR right now is 509, which I think of as like, yeah. okay, maybe that's like two and a half seconds per lap for me to just chip away. And yeah. it gets harder and harder as you get closer. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's funny about that too, because, you know, I remember getting to like the low five minutes and I, like, even in like eighth grade, I remember at the end of the race, I would puke. And that was like one thing about me is I always felt like I'm, I wasn't like always super talented. I never had a great form. You know, but the one thing I always had, and you know, people always told me this throughout my whole career. Like, I never got words like, "Wow, oh, Eric, you have a good form. You're, you know, you know, you have like really cool, good top end speed." What I always got I was like, "Wow, you're tough." And like, I was always the guy that I could always run until I puked, and I think that's just the way I was like sort of raised. You know, um, my dad would never have any excuses. Like, if I was was like hurt, you know, he'd be like, "All right, come on, like." finished all the push-ups or something. I don't care if you're struggling. So I sort of brought that like mentality in my sport, you know, people always give me credit. And I felt like when I got to the low five minutes, I, I didn't like, it was funny because you're right. You get to a point where you're trying 100%. You can't give any more in the room. And I felt like honestly, the encouragement I got from, you know, like uh, my teammates, like Luke Marr, who's still an actual, you know, track coach, and they were just like encouraging me like you can do this you can do this they would actually rabbit me at dual meets and i was like getting a little closer a little closer and i just like i think i had sort of like an epiphany where it was just like all right like you know is this like the one thing you know that i'm gonna really be good at and i remember just like breaking it and it's funny too because even though that was in 2009 when i was in uh, eighth grade I still vividly remember that race. Like, it was just one of those races I knew I had it. I ended up getting, like, you know, 12th place in the race, but it was, like, the most memorable uh, 12th place ever. From what I've heard just through mutual friends of ours, is you're, you're kind of like an encyclopedia of, like, New York City, New York State running. Uh, so take me to the New York State Championship 2013 outdoors and set the stage for me as to why this was, like, a very big race for you in your career. Oh, so, yeah, no, for sure. So, I, like, you know, I got a little cocky. I got a little ego. You know, when I was a freshman in high school, I ran 431. I was, like, slowly improving. Like, it's kind of funny now because I, like, you, you always compare yourselves to other kids. So, as good as I was, I would just, like, see guys like Sean McGordy or other people. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm nothing. But uh, long story short, the one guy I always compared myself to was this runner, from uh, Faithful Manliness. His name was uh, Nick Ryan. And he was like, for me, the Magnus Opus. He was like so good. And no matter what, I could just not even touch this kid. And I remember when I started getting really good at running, uh, well, my coach, you know, the goal, the Magnus Opus of high school, obviously, is to win a state title. Like, that's like what my coach says. Arg, arg, you know, you have a good chance of winning the state title. So I felt like that's just what I had to do. And you know, I had a chance to my senior indoors in the thousand where Nick Ryan wasn't in it. But by the time my senior year uh, came, I knew the only guy that was stopping me from achieving my high school goal was Nick Ryan. And I remember being so nervous because I just couldn't touch this kid. This kid was like really good. He still has the Bowden record. He'd always have like a 200 something speed rating. And he was just like a monster runner, you know, and. I remember just like going into that race and I, I put, that was like, like even in high school, I never really had, you know, I was never super nervous before races, you know, like I got more nervous as I got older, but that race, I was like so nervous because I wanted to get a, a state championship win before I graduated. You know, it was a race where we ended up like elbowing each other, uh, like bumping heads 
And I ended up running my, by far my best high school race. I think I ran like 407 in the 1600s. So it was, it was one of those big races, you know? <laughs> Did that, uh, that, that seems like to be a little bit too late to start opening doors because it comes at the tail end of your senior year career. So like what opportunities were presented before that? And so how'd you end up choosing Binghamton? Well, you know, I was pretty good in my junior year, like, but I would go to places like Villanova, Syracuse, and, you know, Syracuse, you know, like, they were more interested in, like, a little bigger runners. You know, I, I, I sort of had, like, a late start to it. You know, I didn't really get really good until, you know, my senior year. Like, my junior year cross country was, like, okay. But uh, I just was one of those kids that just turned it on my senior year because I feel like I finally felt, like, a lot of pressure because when you're like a junior sophomore, you feel like high school is going to be forever. And when you're a senior, your coach is like, uh, this is it, man. You're done. <laughs> There's no other year. This is your last time going to these meets. And so I was like, all right, I got to really run fast. And by the time I was really good, I, I already like, you know, committed to Binghamton. And these other schools never really showed, uh, you know, that much uh, interest. So I, I think that's like, you know, I just, I took the best, you know, deal, which at the time was Binghamton and there it was, but it was funny though, because that race, my senior year showed me that I had potential, you know, because, you know, we all battle with uh, a bit of insecurity, confidence. And I know I always did because, you know, I always got like a lot of negative things like, oh, your form's awful, you know, uh, you know, you're only going to be so good. And so you always have naysayers. So I feel like, you know, that race my senior year was like, you know, one of the big uh, milestones because it showed me I was able to beat like one of the best runners in the nation. Mm -hmm. So you end up going to Binghamton, end up a six-time America East track and field champion. And some of the people who are familiar with the school, it's mainly because of the likes of Eric Van Engen and Jesse Garn in, mm -hmm. in recent memory. I think you're the only three guys from there to break four minutes for the mile. Yeah, no, it's true. And Binghamton is a smaller school and we have the most sub four milers out of any American East school, which, you know, it's a, a lot of pride and we're about to have, you know, one more, I'm, I'm sure Dan Schaefer, he's ran four flat, but, uh, you know, it's a lot of big pride. You know, I remember watching Van Egan my junior year at Milrose and he was, you know, obviously a tenacious talent. I think at the time he was the fastest American born athlete. Don't quote me on that, but, uh, he ran 356. And so I definitely was like, all right, you know, I'll be as fast as, uh, Van Egan was in college. At least that was my mindset. Obviously it wasn't, I wasn't even close, but you know, um, that was definitely my mindset, you know, and, uh, you know, unfortunately college didn't work out nearly as well as I wanted. I still had a good time. It just, you know, running wise, it wasn't exactly where it was, you know, it's funny too, because when I graduated college, I thought it was done with the sport. I thought like I wasn't really going to run anymore because I felt like I was at my limits, but, uh, yeah, you know, college was definitely great. You know, it definitely, you know, it's interesting when you go to a smaller school, you definitely get like good talent, but then you get people that aren't like, you know, super into it, you know, they're just doing it, you know, just because, you know, and that's just the way it, it always was. <laughs> it's like you get these moments where you get that extra breath of life within your career. And in high school, it was that, you know, that state championship that gave you the hope that, hey, I can excel in college. In college, you end up getting down to 402.09 with, you know, while wearing the Binghamton singlet, but then you ran four flat unattached at Adrian Martinez back in 2017. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of must have been the next sort of bright light that went off. It's like, okay, it's not, I'm not ready to totally give this up yet, right? No, you're, you're 100% right. You know, it's that's just usually the way it is, like, at least for me, you know, um, obviously part of the reason I do this sport is because I enjoy it and, you know, I have fun. I love the fact that, you know, this sport is like very individual, like obviously you can't make an opinion about me and say, Oh, you're not that good. I get to prove myself on the track and a time is a time. You know, that's what I love about, you know, track is, yeah, I might not have the greatest form. I not, I might not look like the best runner, but you know, I can prove it. 
And, uh, you know, when I run like a four flat, that's just proof right there. You know, that's how good I am. And so obviously that encourages me to run. And when I have like lackluster seasons, uh, it's the type of thing where it's like, ah, well, you know, and maybe I'm not like that great. And you see a lot of younger, you know, runners run a lot quicker than you. And you know, you're in a situation where, you know, well, wow, there's literally hundreds of faster runners in America. There's literally hundreds of them, you know, you're not, you know, super special. So, uh, you know, people start to say, well, it's time to move on, get a job, uh, you know, not really, you know, pursue this much longer. So sub four was, was the big quest right after graduating? Uh, well, I did give up for a few, I retired for, you know, few months uh gain a lot of weight uh you know i it was probably one of my lower lives because you know i i worked in a, a restaurant as a busboy and you know it was awful because i remember my coach from high school would come in and he's like you're a busboy and blah 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 like i felt a lot of job discrimination and i was just like oh man this sucks but uh it's funny i tell a lot of people this that what got me back into running post-college, you know, because my last year I didn't even make regionals. Like it was not pretty at all. I didn't even win the American East title my senior year. Like I just went, I had a, like a really off year. And so immediately after college, uh, and also my last race was uh, Adrian Martinez. Uh, and I ran like 416. I ran horribly. And so I kind of was like done with running and, I remember I had an argument with a guy at my job and he kind of knew about running and he said something along the lines, like about like the four minute mile, like somehow this, like, like, a like, a you know, came across our conversation and I was like, Oh, I could have broke four, you know, he's like, he looked at me. He's like, I ran four forty in high school, man. And it's like, there's no way you could break four. And I got so pissed. But the next day I put on my, my sneakers and I ran five miles as hard as I could. And I, I think I ran like 12, 29, 59. My heart rate was like 200 and I was dead. But that just sort of like, you know, spurred me on because I'm just like super like uh, competitive. And I was just like, this random guy that I talked to in my work said I can't break four. Well, I'm going to prove him wrong, you know, even though he has no idea that I probably broke four who I am, you know. <laughs> When you did eventually break for it, did you go back to this guy and tell him? I didn't even know his name, really. You know, it's, <laughs> it was, it, it didn't even matter. Like, you know, when you're at work, I couldn't even remember any of the names of my coworkers. Most of them, like, were in high school or just out of high school, you know. And I eventually kind of, like, quit the job for multiple reasons. But, you know, I didn't really give a crap. Like, whatever. He can... I'm sure he maybe follows me on social media, so you'll know then. Uh, we, when I put it out there for listeners and followers to send in some questions, Cian Galligan said, ask him about his prelim at America East where he tried to run a regional time and then lost in the final. Was that one of your last races in college? Yeah, dude, that was my senior year. Oh, wow. <laughs> Good times. Uh, I went out in 56, and my coach told me not to do it. But I was just like, because she also told me like Van Egan did it. I was like, well, if Van Egan can do it, I can do it. So, you know, I'm sure people always make fun of me for this and rightfully so. But yeah, I did try to run the regional qualifier and I feel miserably. I ran like 348 and then the next day I, I got second. I got like out leaned and that was not a fun time. <laughs> Coach Sweeney XC on Instagram asked, what is your favorite college memory? Favorite college memory? Um, probably my freshman year winning the four by uh, indoors. You know, we ran seven twenty three, and we were the fastest collegiate time. You know, in the country, and I remember that it was like so fun and to do it part of a team. We all ran our best races during the relay. You know, we averaged one fifty. And it was special, you know, I went IC four A's and I, I remember too, it was like my freshman year. So I was just like, I was so pumped for our future. Uh, I did it with my teammates, Adam Mackey, Chris Fernandez, Jesse Garn. And, you know, it was, it was a fun time, man. It was just fun to like, 
you know, beat everyone. And also we outkicked Mammoth, who also ran like 723. So it wasn't like uh, we destroyed everyone. But yeah, I would definitely say that for sure. You know, you know, winning as a team is always like this nice because you do it, you do something together. So a lot of the times, you know, kind of as we see, you know, talented runners just pop at the right moment in their careers, whether it's like a couple years after college, they, you know, take a break and come back to the sport. What sometimes people realize or, or that athlete realizes is that they were undertrained for a while. Now that you're kind of like able to take a step back and assess where you are right now in your career, do you think that was the case for you in college or were you at the same time also trying not to, to get burned out and pushing it to your limit? Um, no, definitely. I, I definitely think I was, you know, undertrained, you know, in college. Uh, it, for me, like, too, like, I never really was, like, high mileage in high school. I always did, like, 30 miles a week. And so, you know, when you get bumped up to, like, 40, 50 miles in college, that seems like a lot. And, you know, it wasn't until, like, I started doing real mileage until post-collegially. So it's, it is interesting, too, because... The training I do now, like I'm sure some high schoolers do, but you know, it's like still like new and advanced for me. So, and, and that gives me some credence and it's for confidence that I can still continue to grind, but absolutely. Like, like there's parts of college. I was like 185. I was very heavy. You know, I wasn't like, I thought I was training hard, but I really wasn't. And also my diet was horrendous. You know, my diet was so bad that when I talked to our nutrition on our team, she was like, Eric, like, no, that is not healthy. Like, don't eat that. Like <laughs> eating Ritz crackers with peanut butter every day for lunch is not, is not ideal. I'm like, well, I'm getting carbs and, and uh, protein, you know, from peanut butter. Like, no. <laughs> so I feel like, you know, you know, ways I always tell people, I feel like a novice, you know, even though I am, I almost 26, I've been doing this sport for so long because I'm always learning new things about training, ways to be better. And I feel like what's given me so much confidence is, you know, I'm definitely developed my training all the time throughout the years. And I know I can, I'm, I feel like I can, you know, get a lot better. And no, that's true. You know, in college, I never really, you know, like college was great. You know, I learned a lot. I definitely improved, but you know, uh, I definitely did. Yeah. feel like I was under train. You ended up at garden state track club for a bit after yeah. graduating. Uh, am I right? So when does, when does boxing come into the pictures? There was a big thing that Merber brought up in Texas. So as a kid, you know, I always would box my dad. My dad would always tell me his glory days about where he would like, you know, get in a fight and like, you know, box them, you know, because I guess back in like the 60s, you can just like in high school, like the gym teacher would throw two kids arguing boxing gloves, I guess, back in upstate New York. I don't know. But uh, my dad supposedly, like, you know, my dad would always like train me boxing. And he was thinking about like training me back up in your know, like peak skill to like take it even further. But obviously with like running, I never really, you know, got like to a certain level. So I can't really, you know, say how good I was. But I will tell you this. If there's ever, if a uh, track ever gets to a point where they have like celebrity boxing matches, I hope I'm at the top of uh, the list, you know. <laughs> so you must be like probably one of the, because, you know, when at the beginning of a 1500, if it's crowded, you need to make some room for yourself. It's throwing a couple elbows, tossing a couple yeah. guys. Like you must be good at that then. No, I'm pretty good. You know, I think sometimes like people try to push me around and they don't realize like, I, I feel like I can never like knock on wood, fall down during a race. Cause usually when they try to push me, it's it almost hurts them more, you know, <laughs> cause they kind of like push me and then they fall into me. I'm like, you know, a little too heavy, but uh, I think for sure, you know, it definitely helps with positioning. That's what my coach always put me uh, in high school, in college, the first leg, cause she knew like if there's any trouble, I would basically be, you know, people would just bounce off of me. <laughs> so, uh, being like one of the bigger guys in the field, are you also putting it up in the in the weight room? I guess, like, tell the listeners what you're doing in 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 the weight room in terms of just uh, numbers. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, I used to, you know, do like three, four reps at 205 pretty easily. Uh, I'm not doing as much bench right now because, you know, they're like, I would talk to coach. I'll be like, they would like talk about like my lifting and, you know, he couldn't believe what I was doing. I was like, so he's like, you know, I would like squat, bench and like, and blah, blah, blah. And then one day I came in, I was like, my back's a little sore. And they're like, oh, well, how much are you squatting? Like 135? I'm like, nah, like 315. He's like, 315? <laughs> uh, and I'm like, yeah, dude, that's just what I do. You know, I, I squat until it's super heavy. You know, I started doing it like post collegiately because I would like, uh, I'd hang out with my cousins. And if I did like 225, they would like give me this look. And like, Eric. Well, of course, like squatting's not that hard, man. When you when you squat this, you know, sissy weight. So I started doing like you know three fifteen and just like stay with it. And uh, you know, obviously, I don't. I try not to lift too heavy. I just like you know, I go more for like better form. You know, more repetitions. But I would say, you know, unless there's other like stronger runners out there, maybe there are. I would definitely say like. You know, I'm a top, like, five sub-four miler that can lift, like, a decent amount of weight, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I like that. I wonder, I wonder what some of those Bowerman guys, you know, put up, if, especially if you, you know, watch their Instagram stories. They're in the weight room constantly. So uh, it'd yeah. be interesting to see where you fall. Um, one of the races that I think, like, people kind of remember you the most from, at least recently, was running, you know, sub-four at the Monmouth Mile, beating Rob DePolitano and Tim Gorman. Uh, was that the breakout that really took you off post-collegiately? Actually, it's a funny story about that race. When I first broke four, you know, uh, basically, um, I, I wasn't supposed to be in that heat. I would always get in like the second or third heat. And I forget who scratched that day, but someone scratched and it allowed me an opportunity to gain that race. And I remember we were all getting our bibs. And everyone had their, like, last name on their bib, like you usually do. And they gave me a number one. And I, like, joked everyone's like, oh, this is what place I'm going to get. And they all, like, kind of laughed at me because, you know, I was, like, you know, the slowest guy in the race seed-wise. And I remember, uh, you know, um, my last race was at the Andrew Martinez. And I actually did one worse <laughs> in 419, which was, like, a horrible race. You know, I was, like, very inconsistent mostly because you know i was working you know full time so a lot of times i'd do workouts at like 11 o'clock at night and i just like would have some days i was just completely awful like horribly so i was just very inconsistent so you know rightfully so i remember for the me i don't want to go into exact names but people were like eric you know please do not be in the front of the pack you're gonna slow us down we don't want you to be up there and i remember I literally was going in raging mode. I was like completely by myself and I was ready to punch a wall because I found that to be so disrespectful. Like they didn't think I was like supposed to, you know, be good enough to be in this heat. And I like remember like, you know, pumping myself up. I was like, all right, they don't know what's coming. I already won this race. Like I'm not losing and I'm breaking four. Like there's no way. Like I was just pure fury. And like, you know, I remember just going to that race expecting to win. And, you know, that definitely was a catalyst. Like, I just like, I don't know. It's just like, I feel like sometimes the way I approach things, you know, like, you know, lifting a big weight, you just got to get yourself pumped up. And uh, I remember just in the last like 100 meters, I probably most likely would have gone like third if it wasn't for that comment. So I ended up winning the race, which was, you know, awesome. But definitely those comments, you know, inspired me to get, you know, have that second win near the end. So it was, it was great, you know. You'd mentioned how you, do, you would do workouts at 11 p.m. sometimes. Mm -hmm. Why? Like, where did, where did sort of the reason or, or the passion for the sport, like, what, how much, why, why would you do them so late? Uh, like, any other person could just be like, I'm, I'm going to bed. I'll do this another time. Yeah, so I would rather, you know, do it before work. So I work 13-hour uh, shifts, at, you know, 8.30 to 9.30 p.m. And so obviously I'll do it before. But, uh, you know, I've, I remember, you know, doing workouts on my high school track. And, you know, they were like, 
you know, you're not in high school or like, hey, there's like school because school would start at, you know, 705. And, you know, uh, I wasn't really supposed to be there because like gym class would come out on the track at like seven ish and someone would just like yell at me. So uh, I knew the only time I could do it was post work. And at the time, I didn't really have a control of my schedule. So I remember just like going home. And I, I actually, I wouldn't even go home. I'd just go straight to the track, warm up. And my goal was to get it done before midnight because otherwise it was kind of like the next day. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was really rough. And that's a good point. You know, I felt like because of – I just felt so motivated, you know, to break four because I got to a point where it was just like I, – I didn't want to just be a four-flat guy, you know. I wanted to really be sub four, and I felt like I was always passionate about athletics my whole life, and I felt like running was that one niche that I really was, like, good at. And, you know, um, I just I just ignored how tired or how exhausted I was, and I just did it, you know. And I felt like in ways I, it made me mentally tough, and that's just one thing, you know, you know, one talent I've always had was this uh, mental toughness. And, mm-hmm. uh you know, it was definitely not easy because when you work out at 11 o'clock at night, there's no lights at the track. It's it's pitch dark. So a lot of times I wouldn't even know what I split because I couldn't even really see the the, the finish line. It was funny because I, I saw a 1500 where it's like a blackout. And I'm like, hey, man, dude, I'm so used to that. It's, <laughs> I did that for like a long time. You know, I was so used to running in like the darkness on a track. Yeah. So how did you get connected with Empire League? So uh, I was with Garden State for a little while, and, you know, things uh, ended up not working out, especially when quarantine hit. So uh, I made my way uh, off of uh, Garden State, and I was just like, you know, decided just to run unattached. I eventually wanted to go on NJMY, especially immediately after college, but, uh, you know, I would talk to like uh, my teammate Jesse, who was part of it, but they just said like I wasn't, you know, quite, you know, good enough, or you know, the team was too full, something along those lines. And I was like, dang, man. So I, I knew like I wasn't good enough to join NJY, especially since it's like you know, forty minutes away from my house, the practice. So that would have been perfect. But uh, you know, I was part of Garden State, and like I said, I had to do everything on my own, and. Uh, once I left, I created a Strava and I just like got to a point during quarantine. I would just like put on like a lot of impressive runs. Like I didn't even care. Like I would just run every day as hard as I could, you know, like 10 miles at like 536. And so just every day I would just run as hard as I could. I couldn't even give a shit. I was overtraining. I would train for like two, three weeks and then had to take like two weeks off because I was just like completely dead. And then I would just do it over again. And it was like a repetitive cycle. But uh, I guess Coach Nohilly started following me. He's like, man, he's like, he's like, uh, you should definitely join my club. And I reached out to him. And, you know, that was history, man. It was uh, the beginning of Empire. So before this season, was your 1500 PR, it was technically 344 during a split during a mile, right? Uh, I think so. I did run 344 the same season. I ran four flat in college, uh, that 2017 season. Uh, but yeah, it was only 344. And how's, so what has led to you now getting down to 340.77, slowly chipping away on the bus ride over to the meet, you had floated the idea out to Merber, like what is it going to take to get to the Olympic trials? Because obviously there's an OTQ mark, but then from there they usually fill out the field. Um, And he kind of mentioned to maybe get in like comfortably this year, it might be something about 338 low ish. Uh, So you're, 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 you're getting there. You're close. And this is sort of when we, when we talk about these extra breaths of life that you've gotten in your career, this has to be another one, right? Sort of like that pursuit. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, and also like, you know, uh, since I trained, you know, with empire elite, I felt like my training has been way better. Not only have I done like my most impressive workouts, but I finally have had consistency 
and I've never had consistency yet in my career. So like two days a week, I'm having like awesome workouts. I, I'm never really having like an off day where prior to Empire Elite, I would still have like, you know, good workouts, but I just have awful days. Man. And I mean, just so bad. I remember like I would run, you know, quarters sub 60 and another time quarters would be 65 and I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, why can't I run sub 60 anymore? And I feel like that's partially because, you know, having people to train with, having a more consistent schedule, eating better, just everything is just like, you know, well controlled and, you know, meeting guys on my team uh, who are great influences in my life and uh, just everything has been like so much better. It's been a big blessing. My life, you know, especially for running has been, you know, it's just been fun. You know, it's like, it's not like that much of a grind because, you know, I get like coaches, teammates, and, you know, a good support system. Because of that, you know, I definitely feel like I can, you know, run way faster than I've ever had in my career, especially, you know, I, I definitely know I can, you know, get the free 30s, but yeah, go ahead. Uh, when it comes to this mentality that you have of really pushing yourself to the limit when you know you might not be the strongest guy on paper in the field, how does that work in practice when you have to kind of check that, you know, that not ego, but just check it at the door because you're up against Johnny Gregoric, who's run 349 for the mile. <laughs> you know, it's funny about that. I love Johnny Gregoric, and I I'm sure I hope you. I'm just sure he loves me too now by now, but I feel like in the beginning we butt heads so much because it was, it was not great. Like our first workout together, like, like <laughs> I think he wanted to fight me, which probably wouldn't have been well for, well, for yeah, either of us, but uh, you know, I probably would have got kicked off the team and you know, <laughs> it would have been really bad. Wait, but, what happened? So we were doing a workout and I don't know. I just like to kind of sometimes win certain reps. And I think that was like pissing people off. Like, who the hell is this guy? And uh, I was leading a rep and I didn't know the route where at Randall's Island. And I was supposed to go like take a left at, uh, at a table. I, I, I don't know. I just went the wrong way. And I completely cut off Johnny. And he got so pissed at me. He was like pushing. He's like, what the hell, man? And I was just like, oh my God. He, he, he was like, not happy, not talking to me. And I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> you know? And I think for a while, like, he just, like, you know, wasn't used, you know, didn't like running with me. And the coach would be like, well, Eric, he's not used to having teammates. And I feel like, you know, I, I just, like, was just trying my best out here. But, like, I just was, like, grinding people the wrong ways just by my mentality, you know? I just, like, winning all the reps, you know? And it's obviously not a race. And uh, it was just like one of those things where <laughs> it was just kind of funny, you know, I just, I was just kind of grinding gears of everyone. And it was definitely a process for me to, you know, you know, got on everyone's good terms. But <laughs> So at the Kansas City qualifier, well, first in Texas, you pull away for the win. Mm -hmm. And then kind of a very similar race played out in Kansas City, where in the final 100 meters, you just have to hold it and charge and, you know, you're pumping your arms. And, and Kyle, I think on the first broadcast made a comment about how these were the boxing arms and you have to go to that strength there. Yeah. Uh, what, what is going through your head in that final 100? Is it similar to what you kind of think about you know, back in that mile race at Monmouth and, and, and these, these naysayers and these, these moments in the past that have kind of fueled you to, to push it? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I feel like my cardio uh, this year has been better than it's ever been in my life. Uh, I've been able to do workouts that I never thought I was capable of. So like in Monmouth, like I remember it being like the worst pain I've ever been in my life and just being completely you know drained where I, I feel like the last couple like every race so far this season I felt like I had a lot more in the tank and I just felt a lot more relaxed and you know I use the word loosey-goosey I felt a lot better you know I, I just never felt like completely drained you know and it's kind of funny because in both Austin it's well, not really funny but Austin and uh 
you know, Kansas, you know, it came down to the same guy, uh, Brett Meyer, who, uh, you know, me and him were always super close. So I found that very interesting that it, like it came down to the same person in both races. So I definitely give credit to him, you know, another upcoming runner. You know, yeah. I'm sure he'll do great things. I wonder if the two of you will square off again in uh, in New York City, which I think at this point, we kind of have to run with the idea that if you sweep all three, then it's the Trials of Miles Triple Crown. I know, man. It's crazy. Uh, even though Austin was in like the third fastest heat, but I appreciate that, you know. Um, it's still three victories in the same Yeah, distance. no, that is, that's, that's true. Uh, I know uh, we're, we're thinking about having it go out really quick. I think I made a deal with Gregoric where – he'll pace me through the 1200 if i pace him through the 1200 at another 15 and i'm like you know what sure why not so hopefully it's going to not be a kicker's race if i do icon it's going to be a completely you know different race it's just going to be me going out really hard because uh we need that standard (laughs) so you like the the 1500 is there any any chance i guess you think of like maybe not necessarily in the lead up to the trials but down the road bringing that 800 time down because what you ran 150 indoors in before the pandemic right so i ran uh my pr is 150.09 and it was going out in like or 19 it was going out in like 56 high and i think i ended up uh you know i ended up out kicking everyone i won the race but uh i ran a 149 during a workout which it's pretty impressive i guess but uh you know uh I know I can run at least a 147. I know I can. It's just, uh, I just need to get the opportunities. And since I've never been in this shape before in my life, I feel like, man, this is like, you know, now I want the opportunities because I know I'll just uh, PR. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know I'm nowhere near my best. And it's just like an incredible feeling to, you know, be in this shape. And it's honestly, it's all due to my coaches and, you know, my teammates, uh, Empire Elite. You know, without them, you know, I, I wouldn't be this like optimistic. I wouldn't be in this position. So what do you got to say? What's your pitch here for the race directors who might be listening to this to, you know, give you some of those opportunities. I know we've got friends who run some races out uh, on the West coast. My friend Pat Price runs the Sir Walter Myler down in North Carolina in early August. Why should they let Eric Holt into their race? Well, you know, I definitely feel like because, you know, I'm, you know, I'm only getting better. I, I, I won my last five races and, you know, uh, I'm training with, uh, the best, one of the best runners in the United States. And, you know, I'm definitely on an upward spiral and, you know, I'm definitely tenacious and I'm ready. I'm ready to run some fast times, man. I just, I just need the opportunity. So. All right, let's hit it with some listener questions that were sent in. Jack Pino asks, what are you most grateful for with your current situation? I guess this is coming off of, you know, the interview you did in Kansas City where you were just mm-hmm. the most thankful person for, for being able to, to train with Empire Lee. Uh, yeah, you know, Jack Pino has been a great teammate. Uh, you know, uh, me and him have a lot of in common. You know, we've had a lot of unfinished business post-collegially. To Jack, I will say I'm very thankful for my support system. I'm thankful to have great teammates. And I'm thankful for, you know, the opportunity I have to, you know, make the U.S. trials. You know, uh, you know, it's always easy to, like, you know, talk about things you don't have. And, but I'm so thankful for this club, you know, because, you know, I really now for the first time in my career i feel like i have opportunity to run times that i dreamed of when i was like you know 13 14 years old when i first started the sport like if if you told my sophomore year of high school my 15 year old self that i'd have an opportunity one day to run like 355 354 i probably wouldn't really believe you and now i i 100 believe it you know guys like john troutman and coach no hilly are such you know great influences uh in my life uh just to have guys who made the olympics made the world team one NCAAs to like tell me that i can run a 352 mile like i'm like you think i can run a 352 mile really and they're like and i love john trotman he's like oh yeah well why not and like like okay you know so it's like the first time in my career where i've had coaches 
that are, that are raising the bar where I've always felt like I had approved my coach to raise the bar. And, you know, I feel like it makes it so much more easier for me to push myself. And if I'm struggling for a workout, you know, to have the confidence, Hey, I'm good enough to finish this workout. Let's just finish it. And like, for me, you need that support system. You need people to believe in you as much as you believe in yourself. And, I felt like I've always had confidence issues in races where I've gave up in races, even though, and now it's like, well, if they can believe in me, I should believe in myself. Very well said. All right. JP nine zero 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 one asks, what do you attribute the success of America East alums recently? So it's crazy, man. Like, the American East, especially of Ellie Imperier, or is that her name? Uh, Elle Perrier, yeah. Elle Perrier, yeah, my bad. Uh, she's unbelievable, you know, ran 417. And, you know, uh, it's crazy, you know. It just goes to show you that even though American East is a small team, we've had very tenacious talent, you know. Her, uh, you know, um, Eric Speakman. You know, I, I think he's going to make the Olympics from New Zealand. He's ran, I think, 337, 356 so far this season. He has a very good shot. But, uh, you know, and it's interesting because a lot of these kids, yeah, they probably had more success than me in college. But it goes to show you that you can be from a small conference that most people haven't heard of. And you can still, you know, run really fast mm-hmm. post-collegiately. Uh, Marty Dolan asks, what's your favorite long run in Binghamton? Oh, I've had many uh, good long runs. Uh, I, I will I will tell you a one story where I remember there was like negative 10 degree wind chill and maybe even colder. And uh, coach, and we got emailed that like, whatever you do, don't run outside. And I'm like, well, I don't run on treadmills, so I, I kind of have to. And I remember I was running up uh, on like the side roads and uh, I was like not well dressed and I was so cold and I was dying. I was like so determined to get this run done and a police officer pulls me over. And he's like, kid, are you okay? Like, do you need to ride back to the university? And I just give him a thumbs up. I was like, I'm good, I'll get this done, I'm fine. And I remember he drove off and I was like, God dang it, why did I just ask for a ride? And I'm like, because I'm gonna finish this long run. And I remember being so like happy because like I was like it was like one of those like runs where you just didn't want to run it at all and I was like satisfied and also like Binghamton's is so hilly it's like like the runs are not flat or easy at all like if you can do long runs at Binghamton you know you're you're probably pretty tough all right it's time for the final questions that I ask every guest first Go one ahead. is what's the meanest thing you've read about yourself on letsrun.com <laughs> the meanest thing uh you know, I've definitely searched myself on Let's Run. I think just there hasn't been that much said so far, maybe recently. But I remember I had a younger teammate, uh, Benito, and I would always search him, and there would just be like a plethora of articles. And I was like, what the heck? Like, my younger teammate in high school just has so much more information on me than myself. And so I was like, maybe one day if I get better, I'll, I'll like, uh, get more things said about me. But... So far, yeah, I haven't really, there's not much. I think there's like one article I read about, you know, me winning Mammoth. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. So mostly just positive. Yeah. Well, the thing is, too, is you seem to feed off of the neg- negative energy. So if, if, they, <laughs> if there true. are some negative uh, naysayers on that message board, it, it will benefit your running as opposed to some other people will try and di- like disregard it and totally ignore it. <laughs> I, I guess the naysayers just say to my face, like, <laughs> you know, it's, so they're, they're, they're like uh, more upfront about it. Yeah. What's the funniest drug testing story you've got? So I've only been drug tested once. And it was funny as heck because I, it was after the fifth Av mile. And like I always pee right before my race. And like I won like not even like the fast heat. I won like this really slow heat. And I ran, like, I was with, like, 50-year-olds. I ran, like, 359 at the fifth half mile. And I was, like, ready, like, to finish. And it's not even like I won money or anything. 
and uh, I think it was WADA, and they come up to me and they're like, oh, you got a drug test now, or you're going to be banned from the sport for four <laughs> years. I was like, really? Really? Okay, whatever. I don't care. And so I go, I go like get tested and like I had a ride to get, go home and I had to tell them they had to wait and I could not go to the bathroom. And plus when you do go to the bathroom, most people don't realize this. They have to like see everything. So it's like super uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm like, Oh God, like I don't want this random guy to like look at me. And he's like, dude, I can't pee at all. And so I <laughs> chugged like, three water bottles and I was there over an hour it took forever and he was also like well you know if your urine is too you know it's diluted not, yeah. not dilated or too dilated uh you know it's not gonna work out and I was like are you kidding me so I couldn't drink too much water but I drank like still like three bottles and thankfully like it took like forever just to get like the right amount thank <laughs> god i can leave <laughs> so that's pretty funny my sister's like what's going on we're trying to get out of here he's like i'm getting drug tested she's like what why he's <laughs> like i don't know <laughs> but i'll be banned from the sport for four years so i'm getting this done <laughs> there you go that's an advocate for clean sport yeah there um, you go. all right if you could go on a run anywhere in the world with anyone from history Assuming they could hold a nice conversational pace with you, where would this run take place and who would it be with? They don't have to be a runner. It could be a celebrity. It could be an imaginary person. So any person anywhere in the world? Hmm. Oh, yeah. You got to think about that for a second. Uh, who would it be? Um, uh, you, you know who it would be? This is, this is a, I think this is a good response. I think I would go back in time and run with one of my uncles because he claimed he broke four minutes in middle school. So he's convinced he did it. And I'm like, no, you didn't. He's like, yeah, I only ran in middle school. I was a sub four miler. And I'm like, I'm like, no, you did not. It was like one of my, my uncles and my dad's side, and uncle Tom. And I was like, no, you did not run that fast. Stop. So I would run with him, make sure he's not in that shape and, you know, go to the present and say, see, you didn't run that fast. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> I proved him wrong. <laughs> where would the run take place? Uh, I, I guess I would like run him on a mile just, just to make sure that the rumors aren't true. I think once yeah, yeah. he heard about my like running uh, achievements, he was just like convinced. Because I guess in the 60s, everyone thought they were like, you know, macho men, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't done the Europe circuit yet, right? Are you looking forward to that down the road? I mean, probably not, not this I've summer. never left the country. The only time I ever left the country was as a detour when I was like very young to uh, go to Michigan. Like, really? For some reason, we crossed the Canadian border. I think I went to the gas station, so... That was the only time I ever left the country. So oh, you're in for a surprise once you get into some of those races out there. It's 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 an awesome thing. Everyone's just there to run fast, collect a couple paychecks because the money is better yeah. out in Europe. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be great once you get that first summer tour season. But it'll be tough this summer. Maybe next year for sure. Yeah, no, like, and that's a great thing about our sport. That I'm so thankful for Empire Elite is I've been able to travel like. I hate to say it, but 90% of my traveling has been due to running. Mm -hmm. Like, besides going to, you know, Florida uh, to, like, visit Disney World. I think the only other time that I've been on planes is for track meets. And, you know, I, I'm i so thankful because otherwise I'd be, you know, in Carmel working and not really doing too much of my life. But running has given me the opportunity to travel, to go to places, to visit the South to visit uh, Texas, you know, I, I've never, I never thought to ever visit these places. And, you know, it's been really fun. It's like, besides obviously, you know, trying to be a professional athlete, which I hope, you know, to be one day, you know, get to get hopefully uh, paid some money to do that. That's obviously it would be fantastic. But, uh, you know, to live out my dreams, it's been so I've been so honored and fortunate. And, you know, to have these experiences. And uh, I know if it wasn't for this sport, I, I wouldn't be able to travel. I wouldn't be able to like meet like so many great people. And everyone who I've ever, you know, met in my career has, you know, left a, a great mark 
indelible mark on me. You know, I've been great influences. I've had so many great people I've met and, you know, like I'm so thankful for this support because honestly, as much as I I make jokes and it is true that like the guy saying I can't break four really what has made me, you know, continue to run it's been the support from you know my friends uh mm-hmm. a lot of like you know i'm sure hopefully they, they watch this but a lot of my friends have you know kept me going uh kept me running you know guys like luke marr uh you know andrew sweeney jacob sweet uh there's so much more you know uh they've all like always supported me and you know believed in me sometimes more than i believed in myself and you know, I'm so thankful because I, I definitely, you know, feel like I'm still on the climb upward. Mm-hmm. And I think the one thing, too, is like, especially with the social media, it's so easy to uh, compare yourself to other people. And you see guys four or five years younger than you that are running faster than you. And it's like, it's so easy to get discouraged and tell yourself, like, hey, uh, I'm not that great. I'm not that talented. Like, you know, if I, if I go 100%, the best I'll ever do is, you know, be this good. And I feel like when I'm with Empire Elite and, you know, the way people talk about me sometimes, the way people support me and the friends I've had are so great that, you know, I felt like, you know, maybe I can be a little better than that. Like, and, you know, I, I don't know until I try. And uh, it's been honestly uh, such a blessing. I can't, you know, complain that much about life. Because uh, you know, I'm I'm having fun and I'm doing what I want to do. <laughs> um, before I get to the last question, I have uh, you'd mentioned work for there for a second, and you know, to my understanding, if it's not running that because running is not paying the bills, you've got a job at a psych ward. Is that it? Yes, I do. I work in uh, Katona. I work at a, a place called Four Winds, and it's a psych ward for uh, basically all ages. So what is, what is your job on a day-to-day? So I work as a mental health worker, and I will admit it, well, it is an interesting job. Uh, it, it can be pretty hectic sometimes. Some of the things I, I've seen at my job, I think most people wouldn't, you know, really believe it. And basically, I'm the type of person that, uh, you know, I have to, like, I'll sit on statuses, meaning if, if someone needs a constant one-on-one, you know, I'll do hall checks. Uh, I have to write up uh, reports on people. Uh, you know, I'll just like be engaged in activities. You know, uh, it's you're sort of like a camp counselor, but you know, it's a camp where a lot of things can go awry. You know, mm-hmm. so what what does the the time look like for that? Like, what are your hours usually? Because you got to fit in practice at some point, right? Yeah, so uh, since joining this, it was funny because I actually switched to night shift. So I was working like night shift, like two to three nights a week, which, you know, three nights is full time because it's 13 hours. So uh, I was like doing like 8.30 to 9.30 in the morning and Coach Nohilly is like, Eric, you're telling me three days a week you don't sleep. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, Eric, if you want to make the, the trials – Stop doing that immediately. So I, I ended up switching to day shift. Now I work, I work for Diem because, you know, it's literally impossible to work full time and, you know, run for Empire. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, I basically told my boss, I'm like, I'm trying to make the Olympics and I'm part of this club. And she's like, all right, you know, just let us know when you want to work. And they've thankfully been very uh, supportive and I can basically work when I want, which, you know, not a lot of people can say, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm very fortunate about that. Doesn't get more blue collar than that. Uh, all right. Final question I ask every yes is not uh, running related. It will test your basketball skills that maybe you go back to. So you get 25 shots from half court on a full size court. If you make one, you win $25 million. If you don't make any of the 25 shots, you go to jail for 25 years. Would you attempt it? See, the thing is, I'm confident that I can do that. I'm very confident I can do that, especially since, you know, at four wins, I got four half shots in a row. Swear to God, I did that. And I think it only took me, like, out of 15 attempts. Like, 
so the thing is, like, I know I can do that, but I feel like if I had the added, pre added pressure and I missed the first five in a row, I could panic <laughs> and therefore miss the next 20. We'll, uh, need to, we'll need to get a video from you on like your Instagram story or something like that of you attempting it. 25 shots. I mean, yeah. no one can hand you $25 million, but just uh, putting yourself in those shoes. Oh, that's a hard one. Like, I'm very tempted to say yes, but I feel like I might have to say no. Just that's a smart answer. I'm a no guy. Yeah. I wouldn't do no, it. No, I'm going to have to say no because it's, it's something that, you know, it's funny too because I, I, I attempt to have shots all the time, have court shots. And I, I would say I'm definitely way better than average. But I know if I miss the first five or 10 in a row, I would completely panic. And I might just like, you know, miss the next, you know, 15 and yeah. lose and go to jail. So I'm going to have to say no, unfortunately. But that I is a good answer. That is a good question. Yeah. All right. So. I got a note from someone who said, Eric is one of the most special people I've ever met in my life. And all he wants to do is see how far he can take this thing. And he genuinely cares about other people succeeding in whatever they're passionate about, no matter what it is or who they are. Just a great human being that, that just deserves a bigger platform. So I'm really thankful for, for you to come on this show and uh, help share some of your story, Eric. No, thank you. You know, that's, that's one of the nicest things someone's ever said about me. And, you know, uh, I, I appreciate that, and you know, I, I really do. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping to see you uh, in New York City, and let's let's make this a three P. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as long as my coach says yes, which I'm sure he will, uh, I'll be there. Thanks to Eric for the conversation. I'm looking forward to what he does at the Trials of Miles New York City Qualifier on May 21st. You can watch that event live on the Sidious Mag YouTube channel. Nikki Hiltz, Clayton Murphy, Johnny Gregoric, Isaac Updike, and Rebecca Mera were some of the names that I saw in the early entries for the meet. So to stay tuned for more. Subscribe to the Sidious Mag newsletter to get all of your running news in your inbox from me. I try and drop my knowledge with you weekly on all the best results, performances, and events that happen. And if you're digging all the content and want to show your support for Sidious, hit us with a couple bucks and pledge your support on Patreon over at patreon.com slash SidiousMag. Your help gets us to events, covers hosting expenses, and helps us plan out bigger projects for the future. Big thanks to Whoop for coming on as the new title sponsor of the Sidious Mag podcast. Head on over to Whoop, which is W-H-O-O-P.com, and enter Sidious at checkout to save 15% off. Sleep better, recover faster, and run faster. Get to that next starting line healthy with Whoop. I just got a brand new Whoop strap to match my new kit for the Trials of Miles meet when I go up against Malcolm Gladwell. That's all I've got. I've been your host, Chris Chavez, wishing you some happy and healthy running. Legs are feeling good. <laughs>